Shabbat Shalom. My name is Noel. This is the Unexpected Cosmology. I am happy to be here tonight. Hopefully you guys are too. And uh, I'm just I'm just thankful tonight. I'm thankful that I could be in this uh, this office here, this hotel room, to uh, speak with you guys tonight. I'm thankful for so many of the people that have come into my life into this uh, to this ministry here at the Unexpected Cosmology. I don't even want to give names because if I start listing off names and there's going to be people that I forget and they're going to feel left out. Uh, I will mention one though. Of course, she's here with, tonight with us. Uh, we're going through the Paleo Hebrew and uh, Pamela has been a wonderful source here at the uh, at TUC. And uh, probably a week doesn't go by that I'm not like asking her private questions about you know, scriptural like words and concepts and things like that. And I usually don't want to lead the witness. You know, usually I'll like play dumb and ask her things. And sometimes she'll like, she'll confirm exactly what I'm hoping for and even like send me off on these new amazing trails. And other times it'll be like, well, I didn't expect that. That was a little surprising. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, happy to be here. So let's get started. I have a lot to cover tonight. And of course, I'm hoping to go through two presentations tonight. Um, we're finishing up Bereshith in our Torah portions, and I say this every week, but the Torah portions uh, do not show mercy. I mean, they are relentless. They just keep coming at you, throwing like four chapters of scripture at you every week, ready or not, here they are. Uh, it's like, you know, doing these Torah portions uh, for Bible studies, it's like, you know, being thrown into, it's like a polar bear plunge into the deep end of the pool in you know, very quick, swift running, you know, water. Uh, it's like a riptide. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like a riptide and trying to figure out how to swim through that and navigate. And I feel accomplished in 12 weeks. I can't believe we're 12 weeks into this. We have finished Genesis and we still have the long haul in front of us. We've got four more books to get through Exodus to Deuteronomy. With that being said, let's dive right into this. Now tonight, uh, here we go. Tonight, I'm going to do something a little bit different than what I've normally been doing. Uh, I'm going to just straight up read through the entire paleo text. Uh, there might be a few comments, you know, because I can't help myself. Uh, but we're going to read through the whole thing. And then uh, with one exception, I'll skip one portion. You guys will see uh, as we go through it. And, uh, and then I'll talk about it afterwards, because otherwise, I fear we might not get through it. So here we go. The sickness and the death of Yaakov. Um, here we go. Yaakov, however, lived 17 years in the land of Mitzrayim. See, I'm already stopping for comment right here because I won't cover this later. Uh, but, you know, 17 years was how old Yosef was when he was uh, sold into slavery. And if I'm not mistaken, he lived another 17 years in Egypt. I, I have to do the math on that, but um it's kind of interesting so here we have 17 so uh i kind of i kind of feel like it was you know for the 17 years that he lost and all the days of the years of yaakov were 147 years i bet that's another amazing number to look into it didn't have time this week i covered so many other things but the day approached for yasharel to die it's interesting how they just did a, a name swap there same guy talked about yaakov but now yasharel is the one that's dying and uh, I think there was some uh, something I would like to look into. I'm not saying this is so. I've just you know seen it in uh, backroom discussions, you know, with the with the pipes and the the, the cigars, uh, gentlemen talk that the rabbis 
some of them advocated that Yaakov actually never died. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. So I think it has something to do with the name swap there. Anyways, he called his son Yosef to him and said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh. Why did I just highlight that? Why well, shows you there, Bereshit 24.1. The one other time in this book where we see the cross-reference of having someone put their hand under the thigh, the Aramaic Targum would actually say the place of circumcision, uh, was when Abraham had Eliezer, his, uh, his top servants, and of course, Eliezer was a son or grandson of Nimrod, most likely, uh, leave Canaan to go back to Babylon and find a, uh, yeah, a woman for Yitzhak, and you guys, of course, know as Rivka. So when, when you, we're going to see something very similar happen here. Of course, it's something very important. It's like, uh, this isn't just, this isn't like a pinky swear here. This is, this is like, you know, this is what going straight to the double dog there. I mean, this is this is a big deal to put your hand under the thigh. And do to me a true kindness and bury me not among the Mitraim, but lay me to sleep with my fathers and carry me from Mitraim and bury me in their burial place. So it's, it's a very similar request. Same thing. Abraham tells Eliezer, look, put your put your hand under my thigh. Promise me that you're not going to find a woman for my son among the Canaanites, nor are you going to send um Yitchak out from this land you yourself have to do it so now we see the same thing here where he's uh, remember how apprehensive he was last week Yaakov to even go to Egypt and he had to go to the the, the well of the vision and he actually gets a vision from Yahuwah says it's okay go go to Egypt because he knew that his father Yitchak could never leave Canaan um and so now he's making sure that his body is going back it's a big deal but lay me to sleep with my fathers and carry me from Mitraim and bury me in their burial place. And he replied, I will do as you have said. But he answered, swear to me, as if putting Sander on his thigh, under his thigh, wasn't enough. And the Asherah was reclining on the surface of his bed. But it was after these events that it was reported to Yosef, your father is ill. So now, now who reported this, right? Uh, if you read the religions of the Jews, which we don't have time for tonight, uh, I don't know where they're sourcing their information from, but they say that um, Aseneth, who, of course, was Dinah's daughter, who married Yosef, so uh, that she became his nurse. And uh, she personally took care of him. And so she would be the one here, according to uh, either extra biblical books or tradition, not sure which, uh, that went, came and reported that he's dying. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and Yaakov was, was told, your son, Yosef, has come to you. Then Yashuel exerted himself and sat up in his bed, and Yaakov said to Yosef, isn't that interesting how it's just the interplay is going back and forth between Yaakov and Yashuel, even though it's the same guy? Al Shaddaiah appeared to me on my departure from the land of Canaan, and as a sign, he did Barak me. And he declared unto me, I will make you flourish and increase your family and make you an assembly of nations. And I will give you this land to your race as a possession for length of days. But now for your two sons, which have been born to you in the land of Mitraim before I came to you in Mitraim, let them be mine. As Reuben and Shemayon are mine. So what just happened? Uh, Yaakov or, or Yasharil straight up adopted uh, Yosef's two sons as 
his own sons. All right. Um, they shall not be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. But uh, oh, hold on. But your children whom you bring forth after them, they shall be yours. I knew I skipped a line there. Um, so he's laying like, look, those are my children. Your children are now my children. And the children that comes from them, they can be yours. But I am adopting your children as my own now. They shall not be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. When I came from Panamaram, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan on our journey. When we have come into the land, Aprath, I buried her near the pass of Aprath. And I'll have more commentary on this later. Then Yashrael looked at the sons of Yosef and declared, these are mine. But Yosef, however, replied, they are the sons which Allah Hayam gave me here. He, however, replied, I will take them now for myself and I will barak them. So it's, it, <laughs> Yosef is like, he's very apprehensive here, uh, what's happening, but he wants to honor his father. He's like, not sure. I, I think he's not sure what's happened, what could happen here. But the eyes of Yashua were heavy from age. He was not able to distinguish. So he drew them to him and kissed them and embraced them. That's really interesting there because it's saying that we see a, the same scene playing out with uh, Yitshak and his two sons, Yaakov and Esau. Of course, this is Yaakov later, right? And he could not see Yaakov tricked him and uh, he wanted to bless Esau. He blessed Yaakov instead. We're, we're seeing the same thing play out here, except that um, the it's changed. The Ruach HaKadosh is still working through this. Uh, well, you'll see in a second here. Afterwards, Yashua declared unto Yosef, I have seen your face unexpectedly, and now Allah Hayam has shown me also your offspring. Then Yosef brought them for his Barak, his blessing, and they bowed before his face earthward. Then Yosef took both of them. Um, Ephraim in his right hand for the left left hand of Yasharel, and Manisha in his left for the right hand of Yasharel, and approached them. So, for those of you, if this is your first time reading this, what, what's happening here is that Yosef uh, is staging his two sons. Uh, Manasseh is his oldest son, and he's staging him. Uh, let's see. So he's staging him. Yosef is staging him in his left hand, so that. When, when um, his father reaches out with his right hand to bless him with his right hand, he's going to put it on Manasseh's head. Um, but Yasharal stretched out his right hand and placed it upon the head of Ephraim, who was youngest, and his left hand on the hand of Manasseh, intentionally. So the guy who apparently can't see very well, so he says, is intentionally in the Ruach. He is, he is swapping hands. He's making a, an X like this. Although Manasseh was the eldest, then he brought him, he blessed him, Yosef, and said, The Allah Hayam in the presence of whom my fathers Abraham and Yitzhak walked, the Allah Hayam who appeared to me from old until this day, the Malak who redeemed me from all misfortune, he will brought the lads, and he will call out in them my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Yitzhak, and cover them with increase to the extremities of Aratz, of the earth. Yosef then discovered that his father had placed his right hand on the head of Ephraim, and it was unpleasing in his eyes. So he took hold of his father's hand to change it, uh, change it from off the head of Ephraim to the head of Manasseh. 
and I get it. Like he's like, look, dude, I, I know our family history here. I know that Cain killed Abel. I know that uh, Ishmael tried to kill Yitzhak. I know what your what Uncle Esau did to you, and I know what my brothers did to me. Like I'm well aware of my family history. Please do not do this to me. Please do not put this sort of um, tension between my sons to you know to bless the younger. Now the older is out of a blessing. I know what comes of this. And he says, place your right hand on his head. But his father refused, saying, I knew it, my son. I knew it. He's saying, I know what I did. He also shall be a nation, and he also shall be great. But nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his offspring shall be a multitude of nations. And when he will barak, Yasharel shall declare, Alahayam, make you like Ephraim and like Manasseh. And they will place Ephraim above Manasseh. So the younger will be greater than the older. Then Yashrael declared to Yosef. And again, so it's so interesting how, like, we're dealing with a culture where, you know, the oldest son gets everything. He's next in line. He's the face of the father, so on and so forth. Um, and, and yet time and time and time again, generation after generation, we see the younger son become greater to the point that Ephraim being the youngest of the youngest. So he's like through, he's through Rachel, the youngest of the youngest that you can get. And uh, he will be greater than all the brothers. Uh, then Yashua declared to Yosef, I shall die, but Allah will be with you and will return you to the land of your fathers. Therefore, I give to you Shechem alone above your brothers, which I took to me by my hand, from the Amariah uh, by my sword and my bow. Okay, now we're getting into the part of the blessings where Yaakov's about to die, he blesses his sons. I'm going to skip this part. I'm going to return to it later. You'll see why, all right? Because I'm going to be spending a lot of time on this tonight. I'm going to go over each one of these, each in turn, and I'm trying to save time. All right, so he goes to Benjamin. He goes to, uh, he goes to Yosef right here, and then he goes to Benjamin, the two youngest. He has now blessed all 12 of his sons. Interestingly enough, uh, Manesha and Ephraim, even though he has now adopted them, he does not give them a direct blessing in here. Uh, his, they would, of course, follow, fall through Yosef. All the offshoots of Yashorel were 12, and their father said this to them, and he will barak, he will barak each with his baraka, with barakath a adapted to each adopted to each then he addressed them and said i shall be added to my people bury me with my fathers in the cave which is in the field of um uh afaron uh the uh chathuya in the cave which is in the field of mekpa or makapalaha which is near Mamaraz in the land of Canaan, which field Abraham bought from uh, the uh, Aparwan, the Chathuya, for a place of burial. I mean, he's very specific here, right? He's giving them, like, this is the closest you can get to GPS coordinates uh, back then, I think. Apparently, they didn't have an address on a road. Abraham is buried there, and Sharaha, his woman, Yitchak is buried there, and Rebekah, his woman. And there I buried Leha. The field was bought and the cave in it from the sons of Chaph, 
Yaakov thus finished instructing his sons and stretched out his legs upon the bed and breathed out his life and was added to his people. And just to point out again that um, uh, he does not mention Rachel's being buried there. Then Yosef fell upon his father's face and wept and kissed him. Embalming and burial of Yaakov. Yosef afterwards ordered his servants, the healers, to embalm his father. I'll have more commentary on this in a little bit. The healers accordingly embalmed Yasharel. When the 40 days were completed, he completed the days of the embalming and the, mat, the Matarim or the Matariyah uh, mourned for him 70 days. And at the conclusion of the 70 days of mourning, Yosef addressed the court of Pharaoh and said, if now I have found favor in your eyes, speak, I request to the ears of Pharaoh and say, my father made me swear saying, when I die, bury me in the tomb which I cut out in the land of Canaan. So now I wish to go up and bury my father and will return. Pharaoh then replied, go up and bury your father as he made you swear. Yosef therefore went up to bury his father and there went up with him all the ministers of Pharaoh, the nobles of his court and all the nobles of the land of Mitraim, with all the family of Yosef and his brothers and the families of his father, except the children and except the sheep and small cattle, which were in the land of Geshan or Goshen. They, they also accompanied him chariots and horsemen, making a very large army. All these marched to Garan Ha'atar, which is over the Yarden. I mean, crazy to think about this huge military escort all the way over to Canaan. And mourned there with a great and very heavy mourning and made a lamentation for his father for seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land, so here we have, let me just go over these numbers real quick. Uh, we have 40 days and then 40, wait, uh, let's see. There was a 40 days of embalming, 70 days of mourning, and then how long the journey took, they don't say, but then there are seven additional days of mourning once they bury him. Uh, and so uh, when the inhabitants of the land of Canaan observed the lamentation at uh, Grand Hatar, they said, this is a great grieving for the, uh, for the Egyptian, for the Mitzrayer. They don't realize he's a Hebrew, I guess. Therefore, they call this name uh, Matar Yah Lamet. It is beyond the Yarden. Thus his sons did for him as he commanded them. So they, his sons, carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Mechpah, uh, or Mechpalaha, uh, which field Abraham bought to be a burial place from Aparon the uh, Chathuya, opposite of Mamara. Then Yosef returned to Mitraim himself and his brothers and all who had accompanied him to bury his father after he had buried his father. But when Yosef's brothers observed that their father was dead, they said to one another, Yosef will hate us and will return upon us all the wrong which we heaped upon him. Why would they think that? Because that's the way they all thought in the family, it runs in the family. Uh, remember, uh, remember, uh, remember, uh, Esau said that he was not going to make this mistake of Cain, who killed Abel while his father was living. Of course, you know, 900 years is a long time to wait, right, uh, for Adam to die. Uh, but they're like, oh, man, like our father's dead now, so our brother's going to totally, you know, take vengeance out on us. They therefore sent to Yosef and said, our father commanded us before he died, say to Yosef this, forgive, I pray your brothers, rebellion and transgression, the wrongs they have they heaped upon you. Consequently, 
we beg of you to forgive the faults of the servants of Elahiah of your father. Yosef, however, wept at their message to him. Then, because he wasn't even thinking this, like it just, it wasn't even on his mind to hurt his brothers, I think. I think this took him totally off guard. Then his brothers went and fell before his face and said, we are your slaves. But Yosef replied to them, fear nothing, for I am subject to Allah Hayam. Although you set upon me for injury, Allah Hayam turned it to good in order that I might make this nation to give life to many peoples. Go now, do not fear me. I will protect you and your children. Thus, he comforted them and spoke to their hearts. If only we could um, see Allah Hayam and work in our own lives in this and see all the things that, you know, maybe we hold grudges against people who wronged us. If only we could look at those and realize, man, this was all a part of the working of Allah Hayam and, um, you know, holding a grudge against these people or hate or something like that goes completely contrary to the character of the Most High and how he planned the situation and where he brought me to where I'm currently at. This was after Yosef returned to Matrim, he and his father's family. And Yosef lived 120 years, and Yosef observed his great-grandchildren from Aphraim, uh, sons also of Mekayar, the son of Manasseh, uh, were fondled on the knees of Yosef. At last, Yosef declared to his relative, I shall die. However, Yahuwah, the ever-living, will visit you and take you up from this country to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Yitzhak, and to Yaakov. Then Yosef administered an oath to the sons of Yashrael to say, When your Allah visits you, take up my bones from here. Thus, Yosef died, 120 years old, and they embalmed him and placed him in an ark in Matrim. And that concludes the reading. Look at that. We got through it. 22 minutes into this. Good night, everybody. No, just kidding. Uh, stopping for a drink of coffee. All right. Now I can really start digging into this tonight. Now that I feel like I got through it. So I went over this last week. And I, I wanted to add to it a little bit this week. Because uh, some more stuff stuck out to me. Talked about the, the idea here of the Brothers United. When I said that, I was talking about Yosef and his 11 brothers. And I completely missed out on uh, Yosef's two sons. So we have here Cain and Abel. Well, we know that there was adultery. Cain came into the world through adultery with the serpent, and then he murdered his brother Abel. We then see Ham with his brothers. Um, Ham committed adultery. Um, he saw his father's nakedness, and he um, had a son through his through Noah's wife making this uh, Noah had a son and a grandson simultaneously and that led to a curse and a separation from his brothers and then of course if you read other literature uh, you see how Ham went around uh, attempting to topple his brothers and his their children from the throne so it got even it, it was just the the sons of Cain all over again and then we see Yitzhak with Yishmael, and it's, uh, I guess you can argue whether Yishmael did attempt, make an attempt on Yitzhak's life. Uh, Sharaha from her tent saw Yishmael do something very naughty uh, with some hunting weapons, and it led to the expulsion. And we don't really know how much Sarah or Sharaha spent with um, 
Hagar's son, because the idea was that she was supposed to raise him. And I think that all changed with Yitzhak when he was born. But long story short, they were broken up as brothers uh, and ex uh, expelled from each other to the point that the Yishmaelites are so estranged from the family that by the time Yosef comes along, they're the ones that lead him into slavery. Uh, then we have Yaakov and Esau. We have attempted murder uh, on maybe multiple occasions. And when you read in Jubilees and Jasher, and it just keeps going on and on and on with his sons trying to kill off Yaakov's sons. And of course, they had separation. And we got pretty ugly with them for a long time. I'm not going to read you the uh, text tonight, but in Jasher at, <laughs> at Yaakov's or Yashur's funeral in the cave, uh, Esau shows up. And was it Naftali? I can't remember who it was. It was either Yishikar or Naftali. They take a sword and lop off Esau's head, and it like rolls off his head and goes into the cave. And they take his body back, back to uh, Edom to bury it, but his, his head is uh, buried in the cave. Um, didn't end so well for Esau. But then Yosef and his brothers, same story repeated, attempted murder. Um, he's spared, thrown into a pit. But then there's separation. He's thrown into um, slavery. Of course, Yosef overcomes adultery. Uh, but then you see Reuben, the oldest, he loses his birthright because he does. He commits adultery. Uh, <clears throat> Yehuda has some uh, kinky stuff going on as well, and his children. But then we see forgiveness, reconciliation, and brotherhood. Right. So Genesis ends on a really good note. You know, we all think about slavery. They haven't been thrown into slavery yet. It ends with them in Egypt, healthy, with Yosef being the, the, the second in command. Actually, in the book of Jasher, when Pharaoh dies, he becomes the chief in command. He's like literally running Egypt. Uh, so it's ending pretty good. Uh, but then it actually ends better because when we see Manasseh and Ephraim, they are the first to reverse the curse for the sins of their fathers. They are the first to actually get along not fight each other. And so we see that the very tense moment when Yashriel does this with, you know, he crosses and he blesses the wrong son, according to Yosef. He blesses the younger son and says that, you know, he will be the greater nation. The older is like, what? But actually, maybe he doesn't. He's very submissive. There's no indication whatever that Manesha, the older at that time, looked over to his brother and go, yeah, that's jacked up, dude. We, we don't get any indication of that. So they are, they, and they are also adopted as Yaakov's sons. And so they have reversed this curse, reversed this uh, sins of the father, and it seems like they're all getting along. They seem like they're a healthy nation at this point in Egypt of all places. So I'm going to repeat what I, what I quoted to you last week, Psalm 133.1. And this, of course, is Pamela's um, paleo translation. Behold is the beautiful song of a harp. That is how pleasant it is when kinsmen, when members of the same tribe, sit down and dwell in union with one another and then of course in the regular masoretic behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity and that's what we see with ephraim of course we see all the brothers dwelling in unity um and they were concerned the, the situation would change when their father died yaakov obviously it didn't for that generation and it, it's beautiful because you see yosef like he sees his great-grandchildren right and they're sitting on his knee and they're all getting along. It's beautiful. One big family in, in, uh, in Goshen.
And of course, we see this in, here in the Zohar of Mark, um, Marcus, or the Gospel of Mark. This is Yehusha HaMashiach speaking. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but half an end. This is exactly what we have seen all through Genesis, where Satan is constantly coming in, and he's dividing, and he's dividing, and he's destroying. He's trying to reverse engineer the Genesis 3 prophecy about crushing the head of the serpent. Um, and, um, and so here for this brief moment, um, going into Exodus, we see, well, I, yeah, probably most through Exodus, we see all the brothers united. So, um, of course, you know, the thing is, is that we see uh, the church divided and divided and divided and divided more than ever. Um, you guys probably know my views on the uh, Reformation that the Reformation was controlled from the top from Rome all along. It was their goal to divide up the church and just divide and conquer and divide and conquer, separate. And, you know, that's how they 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 kept their power and they, they removed everyone else's power. Right. And that's Satan doing that right there. Uh, Satan is keeping his house together and he's dividing up the other houses. All right. All right. Let's see, this is from the Aramaic Targum. And uh, oh yeah, so let's read what this says right here. It's a short section. And this will lead into a little bit more on Ephraim and Manasseh. This is uh, Bereshith 48, seven through nine, uh, which we read tonight. And I beseech thee to bury me with my fathers, right? So this is Yaakov speaking to Yosef and imploring him that he send him back to Canaan. Rachel, or as they put here in the Aramaic Targum, uh, Rachel, but Rachel died by me suddenly in the land of Canaan while there was yet much ground to come to Ephrath. And Ephrath is where we get Ephraim. Nor could I carry her to bury her in the double cave, but I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. It's really interesting. I mean, according to this, he's saying that he, we don't know why, but he was not able to carry her to bury her in the double cave. And it was, of course, it, it's tragic how she dies in childbirth, uh, giving birth to uh, Benjamin, her youngest, her second of, of two children, her last of two children, um, but it was all very prophetic and all planned. And Yashua looked the sons of Yosef and said, "From whom are these born to thee?" And Yosef answered his father, "They are my sons, which the word of Yahuwah gave me according to this writing, according to which I took Asenath, the daughter of Dinah, thy daughter, to be my wife." And he said, bring them now near to me and I will bless them. So there's, you see a, a, a change of glance here where he's thinking back on Ephrath, which is Ephraim. And then he turns and looks and he sees Ephraim, right? So Ephrath actually means, now Ephrath is where we get the word Bethlehem. It means place of fruitfulness. So Ephrath, which is Bethlehem, was a place of fruitfulness. And of course, this is where Mashiach will be born. This is where he comes into the world, at the place where uh, Rachel died. Ephraim, its root word is Ephrath, means fruitful, fertile, and productive. And Manesha means, inter interestingly enough, to forget. So Yosef, that's his firstborn son, Manesha, and he names him, uh, he actually says in 41, uh, Bereshith 41, 51, uh, 51, Elohim has made me forget. 
forget what, but forget all the, the, the terrible, <laughs> the terrible times he's been through, right? He's finally at the other end. He is now, this is like the, the fruit of the womb, right? This is his uh, productivity, you know, like an actual uh, human being, right? It's, he's crushed the, a new threshold. All right. Now, Oh yeah, so you guys have seen me go over this research before, but I'm gonna be doing this again because I love this. Um, so we're dealing with Ephraim and Manasseh, right? And Ephraim, of course, receiving the blessing. And so right here we see the lion and the unicorn. This is the the British uh, imperial seal, um, and uh, of course this is for Yehuda and uh, Ephraim coming together uh, in the kingdom of the millennial kingdom in our past. Uh, so this is right here where we see in Deuteronomy 33, 17, we'll, of course, get there in this Torah portion cycle eventually, where it says, his glory is like the firstling of, the, of his bullock and his horns like the horns of unicorns. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth, and they are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manesha. So we see here that the unicorn is a symbol for Ephraim and Manesha, the two sons of Yosef. And of course, we know that the line is for Judah. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Yehuda, the root of David. And this comes from Revelation 5 5. All right. Now, uh, you've seen me quote this various times, but you know how I have to repeat myself to get proper context. We see, and he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall this is Yahuwah doing this, and shall assemble the outcasts of Yasharel and gather together the dispersed of Yehuda. Of course, the outcasts of Yasharel would be. Ephraim and Manesha, and, uh, and gathered together the dispersed of Yehuda from the four corners of the earth. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Yehuda shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Yehuda, and Yehuda shall not vex Ephraim. So the brothers always locking heads in conflict. Uh, they're going to come together at one point in history, uh, and they're not going to vex each other. And there's going to be an ensign that is lifted up. And as you guys know, that I believe that this is it right here. Actually, the, the, the UK flag is it as well, the, the line, the unicorn coming together. But here we have the, the Tav, right? We have the X, the symbol of Yaakov, Yashro, crossing his arms to bless uh, Ephraim. Uh, so this is, of course, we, I just went through this here, Bereshith 48, 13 through 14. I only repeated again, but this is when uh, Yashro stretch out his right hand and place it upon the head of Ephraim, making an X. And of course, this is the Tav. Now, I love this here because the the the, the one on the far right is the, the Masoretic. Um, the, I believe the X in the middle is more Phoenician. It was also Egyptian. I think the Greeks have something similar. Um, and uh, by the time that uh, the, the, the one on the left is the Paleo, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Pamela, in the comment section. But it's fascinating because the by the time that the Pharisees crucified Mashiach, by the time they put him up on a cross, on a tav, they were going by the Masoretic. They would have had that kind of that pie looking, you know, in over there for the for the tav, and they weren't thinking in terms of the tav of uh, Yaakov slash Yasserel with Ephraim and Manesha. So here we see the ensign that is lifted up that Yahusha was hung upon the tree, the top. Of course, right there, you have the unicorn in your face, uh, Ephraim Manisha. Go to Scotland, of course, with the, the flag of Scotland, you go there to this day, and they all identify as Ephraim. 
that they are the sons of Ephraim. And they're not just speaking spiritually either. They're talking physically they're the sons of Ephraim. And of course, Great, Bit, Great Britain there, you see the top there, uh, the double top. I mean, this is like hyper overdrive uh, double top. And of course, when the, you know, at the end of the mud flood, when the lights go on and the stage is set, who is, uh, what is the one empire that the sun never sets on? It's the the British, which is the mixed mixture of Yehuda and Ephraim. And, you know, I don't have time to go into all the research about uh, Yehuda being on the throne there um, in Great Britain, but I uh, definitely believe that was the case. And, of course, Jamaica. Yeah, man. Uh, anybody want to play some uh, Rastafarian music, something about Israel? But there we see another X in the Jamaican flag. And, you know, I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, they claim to be children of Israel, right? It's like the... The black Israelites, the movement is like really big in the Rastafarian. Uh, there, now this is interesting here. Ethiopia, we were, uh, it, it, it's, uh, we were out, you know, we're living here on the beach in Florida, and there was a an RV that pulled up, and it was waving this flag, and you know, I'm out there with a bunch of old dudes, you know, drinking beer and stuff, and and they're like, what kind of flag is that? And I said, well, that that's Ethiopia. And they're like, how do you know that? That's not Ethiopia, and. <laughs> One of the old guys, he gets up and storms off and he walks over there. And it's like a black dude with like dreadlocks, you know, he comes out and he's like, what kind, what flag is that? And and he came back and I said, so what was it? He's like, you, yeah, you're right. It was Ethiopia, you know. Uh, but, you know, the the Ethiopian, uh, the Jews there and, you know, you have your, your, your Ashkenazi Jews and you have your Spanish Jews and you have your Ethiopian Jews. Um, very three very distinct groups. And of course, there they identify. So you see the line of Judah there. That's why I put that there with a tab there uh, uh, in the uh, cross. Hold on, I'm not done yet. I'm going to really mess with your head tonight. Because <laughs> we got another tab right here. And it makes you wonder about history. Like, what was going on here that the Confederacy, it's called the, the you know, the bars, right? The bars and stars. Uh, and uh, you see right there, like, so what, what was going on with the Confederacy? I have no clue, but uh, I don't think we've been told the whole truth about that. And, um, okay, so then we got this one right here. This is the, the Jolly Roger. Now, um, this is like the, the sign of Ephraim, the, the, the mark, the sign, the banner of Ephraim in total reverse. I'm going to tell my kids that this meant death to Ephraim or death to Israel, uh, because I actually think that that's what this was. Um, I do, you know, when we look at history and everything is historical, revi historically revised now, um, and I, I think that is true because I think we've been lied to about the past, obviously. Um, I think that there were legitimate pirates going around. And I think that's what this meant. I think that this was the sign. They were taking the, the ensign and they were reverse engineering it. This would have been death to, to Yashrael, death to Ephraim. All right. Now, uh, this particularly this particular flag right here, I'm going to read from Wikipedia. I pulled this picture from Wikipedia. It says, uh, this pirate flag is at the Land Maritime Museum, and it is one of two pirate flags that are considered authentic, whatever that means. So they're saying that there are two flags in the world that exist that these were authentically flown pirate flags is one or two of them and of course it used to be black and now it's faded and it's all brown um and they're saying it's about 200 years old and um and so on and so forth all right this was flown in the early 19th century 
interestingly enough, Jolly Roger is the name, the name is taken from 18th century slang for sex, as in a good rogering. Quite simply, if the captain of a fat merchantman were to look out and see through his telescope the Jolly Roger flying, then he could be sure that he was well and truly, and I blocked that out there. Uh, thank you, Wikipedia. But or this came from a different website, actually, this right here. But uh, you know, it's it's a four-letter word, but it you know, to play on the fact that, you know, a good rogering, but it actually meant. But actually, there's more to it than that because uh, we got Skull and Bones and the 322 number right here. Of course, a lot of uh, very popular world leaders came out of that. Uh, William Taft, who was president. And of course, we had two other presidents, the, the Bush, Bush, uh, Bush and son, George H.W. and George W. Bush. And uh, John Kerry was in Skull and Bones, uh, and, uh, a little Yale club there. Um, and Personally, I think that the other thing that uh, the, the, these crossbones represents is sex magic. Uh, and that is sex magic. I put their little definition for you to look at. At least this is my definition. This is what I came up with. Some people in the sex magic realm might disagree, but uh, we'll agree to disagree. But it's using your sexual energy to manifest, create your spiritual desire. All right. So so you have these people trying to reverse engineer in the past the, the, the talk. Uh, the ensign, in order to uh, death to Yasharel, death to uh, Yaakov's sons, death to Ephraim, and we're going to use, you know, the sexual energy to manifest and create our own uh, realm that is opposite of that. And I think that's what's going on with Skull and Bones. Of course, if you guys ever look into Skull and Bones, they have some uh, pretty um, perverted um, sexual acts that they go through in the initiation, which includes a coffin, I believe. All right, now I want to talk about embalming, and this really struck out to me because it's it's so interesting. A lot of people you you can go on to, uh, you can you know search this online about the embalming, and people are like freaking out, like what is this like anti Torah? Like why is why is uh, Yosef having his father embalmed? You know, it's interesting because he he made him swear that he would take him back to Canaan. He never said what to do with the body, uh, so. We see here that it says Yosef afterwards ordered his servants, the healers, to embalm his father. Now, keep in mind that these are, uh, he says the healers accordingly embalmed Yasharel. Um, and uh, I had a point on that. No, I forgot. But, uh, oh, yeah, he, he's not asking the priest to do it. He's not asking the sons of Levi. He's not asking any of them. Uh, he is having these Egyptian healers do it, and it's over a 40-day process. I'm... I'm taking this to mean that he was mummified. Tell me if I'm wrong, but kind of interesting here, right? So, um, but we see the same thing uh, in, uh, my, my mouse is acting up on me tonight. We see the same thing in Yasher. It says, and it came to pass after this that Yosef commanded his servants, the doctors, to embalm his father. So essentially uh, Yasher says doctors and Pamela uh, says healers. Uh, with myrrh and frankincense and all manners of incense and perfume, and the doctors embalmed Yaakov as Yosef had commanded them. So he's not asking the Hebrews to do it. It's the Egyptians doing it the way they did it. And this is completely opposite to what we would see later down the line with the, the Hebrews being buried in, um, they would lay them out on a, on a table in a tomb in a rock that, you know, that they don't bury in the earth like we do in cemeteries. There's a reason why if you ever go out to Hollywood or Los Angeles, and of course I grew up there, and you go to the Jewish sector of the cemeteries and they are up in the, uh, the, uh, the, the, 
niches, niches, I guess, whatever. They're up in the wall, you know, like Hollywood Cemetery. They're up there in the walls. Uh, they like to build mausoleums. They like to build like cave-like environments and put them in. And of course, they would they would put them on these tables and they would let them decay in there. And then they would come back in a year later and they would take all their bones and put them in a bone box, right? You don't see this here with Yaya Cove. Well, it reminded me of this here. Now, this comes from Second Adam and Eve. And this is about the death of Adam. And this is what it says. The death of Adam took place at the end of 930 years that he lived upon the earth on the 15th day of Barmuda after the reckoning. Okay, let's just skip to the next verse. It was on a Friday, the very day on which he was created and on which he rested. And the hour at which he died was the same as that at which he came out of the garden. Then Seth wound him up well. Basically, he wound him up like he you know, wrapping him up like a mummy and embalmed him with plenty of sweet spices from sacred trees and, and from the holy mountain. And uh, he laid his body on the eastern side of the inside of the cave, the side of the incense, and placed in front of him a lampstand uh, kept burning. That comes from 2nd Adam and Chowa, which is 2nd Adam and Eve, uh, 9, 3 through 5. We see again, uh, just skipping a few chapters later, then they wound up carefully the body of Seth and embalmed him with sweet spices. And I could go on and on. Each of the patriarchs leading up to Noah's flood, they were all embalmed. They were wrapped up like mummies, and they were laid in a cave. Now, um, okay, so now we're in Yashar. It turns out I am going to read you the passage about uh, the head rolling. So this is... In, um, and I wanted so we saw that the 40 days of embalming, the 70 days of mourning in Egypt, and then I want to look at the seven days because I think this is really interesting. And he asked, saying, Why do you not bury the dead? And what is this great consternation? And they answered him the words of Esau and his sons, and he ran to Esau in the midst of the battle. So Esau and all his sons have come, come to they've they've rolled up to the funeral and uh. You know how it is, families getting, you know, the old family getting together again at the death. You know, I mean, that's what I'm sorry. That's the way it is in my family. Like the only reason I will ever be invited to any family events at this point will be for the funeral. I take it back, actually. Uh, unfortunately, I've had some family die recently and they never invited me. So I'm not even like on Esau's uh, invite list at this point. But uh, Esau shows up with the sons and they get into a rumble. They're all fighting at this point. And they answered him the words of Esau and his sons. And he ran to Esau in the midst of the battle. And he slew Esau with a sword. And he cut off his head. Man, I wish I put down who did this. I'm not sure if it's Naphtali or Yeshikar. And it sprang to a distance. And Esau fell amongst the people of the battle. Now, it says the head sprang to a distance. You have to read in a, it's the Aramaic Targum. It actually says it rolls into the cave. And when uh, Chushim did this thing, the sons of Yaakov prevailed over the sons of Esau, and the sons of Yaakov buried their father Yaakov by force in the cave, and the sons of Esau beheld it. And Yaakov was buried in Hebron in the cave of Machpelah, which Abraham had bought from the sons of Heth for the possession of the burial place. And he was buried in very costly garments. And no king had such honor paid him as Yosef paid unto his father at his death, for he buried him with great honor like unto the burial of kings, and Yosef and his brother made a mourning for seven days for their father. That's the second time we've seen that. We saw it in Genesis and Bereshia. So what's up with the seven days? All right. Um, well, before I, I, I give my idea on it, let's just read what the seven days literally means in 2nd Ezra 
chapter 7, verses 100 through 101. Yes, it's a very long chapter. You would be here all night if I tried to read you this whole chapter. Uh, this chapter involves what happens to a person when they die and how they're taken on a tour of the unexpected cosmology of the greater cosmos and shown everything and all the mysteries of life and all that kind of stuff. Pretty exciting time to be alive, or I should say to be dead. I answered, this is Ezra uh, speaking, he's asking questions of uh, Uriel, the angel. I answered, will time therefore be given to souls after they are separated from the bodies to see what you told me? And he said to me, they will be free for seven days so that they may see in those seven days the things that have been foretold. After this, they will be gathered in, the, in their dwelling places. They're, they're, the dwelling places here is talking about as in Sheol. Okay, not there wherever you're buried in a tomb or a grave or whatever. So what's going on here? All right. Why were these? And you're actually told in, in Second Ezra not to mourn more for than seven days. And the thought that is going on that I haven't really seen addressed uh, by some of the Torah research out there is why it was so important. I wish I had more time. I would have put the command in here about bearing, you know, not to let the sun go down. It was very important to bury someone immediately. You, you, they die, you, you you take care of the arrangements, you take care of the funeral arrangements, you bury them. Um, was Were they sinning here by not having Ya'akov uh, buried immediately? No, I don't believe they were, because you see that they were taking great care of his body. But I am thinking, I'm thinking out loud now, guys, and I can't prove this right now, but I'm thinking that there is a connection between the body going into the earth and the seven days before the the ruach, the spirit of the dead soul, enters Sheol. And so this is why you were to mourn for seven days. The spirit, the ruach, is conscious for these seven days, all right? This is why they would put on a big show, I believe, you know, like at the death of Elias or, or Lazarus. Uh, and, and they're out there just mourning the streets. And, you know, commentators talk about how they probably had, you know, musicians out there with tambourines and cymbals and, and flutes and all these different things. And they're blowing them. And they want to let, I think they were letting Eliezer know, look, we love you. We miss you, that kind of stuff. Like they, and they're thinking that the Eliezer would know, that he might have known um, uh, what was going on. And in fact, if we're taking the seven days, he never actually went down to Sheol. Apparently, so uh, he was being led on a tour of the cosmos, and then the angels like, "Oh, we've got a uh, got an announcement here. We got an interruption. I know you're only four days into this. We got three days to go. I know you wanted to see the waters above the firmament, you know, and see the stars, but sorry, you got to go back into your body." It's like, what? You know. Um, so what what I'm getting at here was was uh, Yaakov. What was going on with his spirit? in those 40 days and then the 70 days and then you have the seven days and i think that's a question worth asking uh is the body going into the ground necessary for the clock um, of getting them into shield now of course in this day and age um you know i believe that shield has been emptied out at least of the, all the the saints i actually believe it was emptied out of everyone I don't know where everyone went, but according to the gospel of Nicodemus, everyone was emptied out. Everyone, Sheol was completely emptied out. So it's like, where did all those other people go? That's a question for another time. Uh, but, you know, I'm of the opinion now. I have completely changed my opinion. I used to be a, a diehard soul sleep guy. You 
you go into that ground, you're waiting for the trumpet blast. You know, you're going to sleep, you're waiting. But I think those days have passed now. And I think that Sheol had that used to be the case. Uh, Sheol's been emptied out. Mashiach went down there. He he led uh, the saints to paradise, as was foretold, as was prophesied. And we'll read one of those tonight. All right. So now going into the uh, the blessing, the baraking of each of the sons, and it, it was prophetic as well. We'll be going through these. So the first one is to Reuben, the oldest. This is Yaakov speaking. Reuben, the first of my vigor. You are the crown of my passion, excelling in beauty. X is excelling in strength, boiling like water. <laughs> you lost command. We know why. If you don't know why, I'll be going over it tonight. For mounting your father's bed. For mounting your father's bed. Yes, defiling my honor's abode. That <laughs> I'm going to tell my sons that, you know, my bed is my, my honor's abode. All right, so with each of these, what I'm going to be doing tonight, I want to do something different. I'm going to be taking you through the 12 patriarchs. Now, the 12 patriarchs were, of course, from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Amazing books. I do not have the time in the next hour to read through all 12 of the books, but I have selected passages which help highlight um, uh, what Yitchak is saying here to his, uh, not Yitchak's, Yaakov, Yashrael is saying to his sons. Um, and uh, of course, you know, the context of the 12 patriarchs is that as each of the 12 patriarchs are dying on their beds, they are speaking these words to their sons and grandsons and great grandchildren. So this is Reuben speaking. And now my children love the truth and it will preserve you. Hear ye the words of Reuben, your father. Pay no heed to the face of a woman. Remember, he mounted the bed, right? Nor association with another man's wife. And that would be Belhab who he associated with, nor meddle with affairs of womankind. For had I not seen Belhah bathing in a covered place, I had not fallen into this great iniquity. For my mind taking in the thought of the woman's nakedness, that would be his father's nakedness, suffered me not to sleep until I had wrought the abom abominable thing. So he was just, he just allowed the lust to just take him over. That's all he could think about. For a moment's pleasure, of course. And that's, you know, the great lie of lust, right? That you think that it's going to be this feeling that's going to last. You have to satisfy this, this desire and then it's just over in, a, you know, 10 seconds, right? And you're like, you have that, you would have that, just that sinking feeling afterwards. For while Yaakov, our father, had gone to Yitchak, his father, when we were in Eder, near to Ephrath in Bethlehem, and that was, where, uh, that was where Rachel was buried, Ephrath. So it's interesting. You're seeing the, the opposite of the fruitfulness here. It's kind of interesting. Bilhah became drunk and was asleep uncovered in her chamber. And, of course, you know, you can argue that she was drunk, but she, didn't, she was in her chamber. She didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's, it's her chamber, right, to be uncovered. Having therefore gone in and beheld her nakedness, I wrought the impiety without her perceiving it. So she had to be really wasted drunk. Uh, to not know that it was maybe she thought that her husband showed up and leaving her sleeping departed and forthwith an angel of Elohim revealed to my father concerning my impiety and he came and mourned over me and touched her no more I've been over this before I don't have time to go over this all tonight the fact that uh, unfortunately you know all these men when their wives are tampered with in these ways they touched them no more and I feel that I believe the same thing happened with Noah 
unfortunately, that, you know, there was no other woman on earth after that, right? They, they were all his children, so, or the, the wives of his children, and that was it. He had no more wife to go to for the rest of his days um, after that. All right. Uh, this is now to uh, to Simon and Levi, or Shamayuan and Lauya. Simon and Levi are brothers. Cruel weapons are hidden with them. To their plottings go not my nefash. My honor, joy not their clan. For they murdered guiltless men and joyfully murdered a prince. This is not talking about uh, Yosef. This is talking about Shechem. Curse their crime as it is great and their transgression for it is cruel. For it sorely troubled Yaakov and Yashorel shamed. Now, this is on his deathbed. He's saying this to his sons. And it's interesting because we're going to read from, uh, I think it's Simon here, on his deathbed, he's, he, he brings this up. He brings us up about how his dad, like even on his deathbed, he just he couldn't stop talking about Shechem and how horrible this was. And Simon was like, I don't think it was like I did this out of, you know, well, you'll see. He didn't have the same opinion as his father about this. Uh, so this would be, let me look. This is, yeah, Testament of Simon. Of Simon. There we go. Behold, I have told you all things. You guys can read that. Behold, I have told you all things that I may be acquitted of your sin. Now, if you remove from you from you your envy and all stiff nakedness, as a rose shall my bones flourish in Yasharel, and as a lily my flesh in Yaakov, and my odor shall be as the odors of Lebanus, and as cedars shall holy ones be multiplied from me forever, and their branches shall stretch afar off. Then shall perish the seed of Canaan. So this is interesting. So he's he's the one in here that's thinking about the perishing of the seed of Canaan, right? Because he's the one of the of the brothers, he and Yehuda, who went to, or uh, he and Levi, excuse me, went to do the deed to actually, you know, they were leading the charge to extinguish Canaan. And you know, Yaakov, he knows that they're going to inherit the land, but there was something very apprehensive in him where he's like, no, we're not supposed to, you know, it it it's we're not the ones that are supposed to do this. And his sons felt differently. Then shall perish the seed of Canaan, and a remnant shall not be unto Amalek, and all the Cappadocians shall perish, and all Hittites shall be utterly destroyed. Then shall fail the land of, of Ham, and all the people shall perish. Then shall all the earth rest from trouble, and all the world under heaven from war. Then the mighty one of Yasharel shall glorify Shem, for Yahuwah Elohim shall appear on earth, and himself save men and this is again like i'm just seeing this more and more guys in here that through like i don't know why i spent so much of my life saying yahweh yahuwah was the father it was one of those things like i was just trapped in this you know this paradigm that i you know that just these these rose-shaped glasses or whatever they were that were put on me that i was told that he was but it's very clear that yahuwah yahuwah is the son and it even says so right here for Yahuwah Elohim shall appear on earth and himself save men. And that's not, it's, it, it's not saying that Yahuwah is the father here. It's the son. Then shall all the spirits of deceit be given to be trodden underfoot. So finally, the, the, the crushing the head of the serpent uh, with uh, Yahushua HaMashiach. And men shall rule over wicked spirits. Which, of course, as you guys know, Yahushua HaMashiach was the first to do that, to show how to do it. 
Then shall I arise in joy. I'm, I'm guessing that's the resurrection. And then I shall then shall I arise in joy and will bless the most high because because of his marvelous works. Because Elohim have taken a body and eaten with men and saved men. I take that back. Maybe it's not the resurrection. Maybe it's just him rising in joy. And now my children and Yehuda and obey Levi and Yehuda and be not lifted up against these two tribes. For from them shall arise unto you the salvation of Elohim. For Yahuwah shall raise up from Levi, as it were, a high priest, and from Yehuda, as it were, a king, Elohim and man. He shall save all the Goyim and the race of Yasharel. Therefore, I give you these commands, that ye also may command your children, that they may observe them throughout their generations. The Testament of uh, Simon. And um, I think that's all I wanted to cover on the Testament of Simon. So let's see what Levi has to say. I, Levi, was born in Haran, and I came with my father to Shechem. And here we go, and the Shechem again. It's on his mind. And I was young, about 20 years of age, when with Simon, I wrought vengeance on uh, Chamor for our sister Dinah. And when I was feeding the flocks in Abel Maul, the spirit of understanding of Yahuwah came upon me, and I saw all men corrupting their way. And that unrighteousness had built for itself walls and lawlessness sat upon towers. So he's he's truly like he's having this this gnosis, this experience where he's this internal experience where he's truly understanding how unrighteous the world is. Right. And how like civilization, how corrupt it is and how um, it, it's it's another way of saying that, I guess, is that lawlessness is the one. The evil people are the ones that are, uh, are you know, protected and that the righteous have no say over it, right? Like, like the sister dying, what happened. And I was grieving for the race of the sons of men, and I prayed to Yahuwah that I might be saved. Then there fell upon me a sleep, and I beheld the high mountain, and I was upon it. And behold, the heavens were opened, and an angel of Elohim said to me, Levi, enter. And I entered from the first heaven. And I saw there a great sea hanging. Well, that's interesting. What's that great sea? That great hanging sea is the water above our heads, right? That's held up by the firmament. So he's entering the first heaven and he's going past the firmament. He's going through the waters. Um, and I saw a second heaven far brighter and more brilliant. For there was a boundless light also therein. And I said to the angel, why is this so? And the angel said to me, marvel not at this. For thou shalt see another heaven more brilliant and, and incomparable. And when thou hast ascended hither, thou shalt stand near Yahuwah, and shalt be his minister, and shalt declare his mysteries to men, and shalt proclaim concerning him that shall redeem Yasharel. This is really fascinating. He's having this vision uh, right around the time that, that they're in Shechem and Dinah is being raped. Uh, he has this vision where he's actually taken into the heavens. And by thee and Yehuda shall Yahuwah appear among men, saving every race of men. And from Yahuwah's portion shall be thy life, and he shall be thy field and vineyard and fruits, gold and silver. Here, therefore, regarding the heavens which have been shown to thee, the lowest is for this cause gloomy unto thee, right? Uh, the, the lowest is the darkness that hides Yahuwah and Allah Hayam, you know, through a glass darkly, as Paul would say, and that it beholds all the unrighteous deeds, deeds of men. It has fire, snow, and ice made ready for the day of judgment in the righteous judgment of Elohim. 
For in it are all the spirits or the ruachoth of retribution for vengeance on men. Um, and this would be, again, like Prince of Power of the Air, all the evil spirits kind of congregating up there in the ether. And in the second are the host of the armies, which are ordained for the Day of Judgment to work vengeance on the Ruachoth of Deceit and of Beliar. Beliar. And above them are the Holy Ones. And in the highest of all dwelleth the great glory far above all holiness. It doesn't say here how many heavens there are, but the highest of the heavens is where Abu Hayyam is. In the, next, in the heaven next to it are the archangels who minister and make uh, propi uh, propitiation to Yahuwah for all the sins of ignorance of the righteous, offering to Yahuwah a sweet-smelling savor, a reasonable and bloodless offering. And again, let me just check. This is all the testament of Levi. So isn't that interesting that he's seeing that what the Levites do on the earth is a reflection of what goes on in the heavens above with the, the archangels. Who also minister in similar ways. Offering to Yahuwah a sweet smelling savor, a reasonable and a bloodless offering. And in the heaven below this are the angels who bear answers to the angels of the presence of Yahuwah. And the heaven next to this are thrones and dominions in which always they offer praise to Elohim or to Allah. When therefore Yahuwah looketh upon us, all of us are shaken. Yea, the heavens and the earth and the abysses are shaken at the presence of his majesty. With the sons of men having no perception of these things this is like the tragic part right here because we're, we're we're looking down you know uh, uh the 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 true form of heaven it doesn't even though you know in a platonic terms even though everything we have down here you know like a chair for example right the fact that i'm sitting in a chair right now you know platonically is proof that there's a chair in heaven right the perfect form of a chair the fact that i have a roof over my head is you know proof that there's a roof above right all these things uh but we see it from a very uh, you know not a perfect we see it from a distorted pers perspective of the perfect right so the sons of men having no perception of these things they sin and provoke the most high um they don't you know they don't see that the sun is there not to be worshiped but to show us that there is a greater light beyond that, right? That there's a much greater light beyond that is more glorious than even the sun itself. Testament of Levi. All right. Now let's see. What are we looking at? Is this more Testament of Levi? I think this is more Testament of Levi. Let me check. Sorry for scrolling. Yep. More Testament of Levi. All right. And when I was going to my father, I found a brazen shield. Wherefore, also the name of the mountain is Aspis, which is near Gebal to the south of Bela. I don't know why I put that in there. And I kept these words in my heart, and after these I counseled my father and Reuben, my brother, to bid the sons of Chamor not to be circumcised, for I was zealous because of the abomination which they had wrought on my sister. That's interesting. He doesn't even want to circumcise. And I slew Shechem first, and Shimon slew uh, Chamor. And after this my brothers came and smote that city with the edge of the sword. And my father heard these things and was wroth. And he was grieved in that they had received the circumcision and after that had been put to death and in his blessings he looked amiss upon it so he just referred there to Bereshit in the in the brocking the, where he's blessing his each of his sons and he looked down on them because of this incident he said that and now he's recounting it for we sinned because we had done this thing against his will and he was sick on that day 
So that's interesting. So if, if I mean, if I'm if I'm getting this right, he, Levi is saying that the reason it was a sin is because it was against his father's will, uh, Yaakov. But even though it, he felt that it was a very righteous thing that he did uh, to eliminate this wickedness. But I saw that the sentence of Elohim was for evil upon Shechem, for they sought to do Sharaha and Rivka as they had done to Dinah, our sister. But Yahuwah prevented them. That really tripped me out because like, he is, he's having a vision. He just had this vision of heaven, and he's being shown now that uh, Shechem is going next for, uh, for Rivka and, uh, and uh, Sharaha. Interesting. No, Sharaha, I believe. Uh, oh, okay. They had sought to do for Sharaha. Um, and I guess that would be the uh, incident with um, why Abraham was so afraid with Pharaoh and with Abimelech. Um, but uh, Rivka was still alive at this time. So, if, and they persecuted Abraham, her father, when he was a stranger, and they vexed his flocks when they were big with young. And Iblin, uh, who was born in his house, they most shamefully handled. And thus they did to all strangers, taking away their wives by force, and they banished them. We see this theme all through Genesis, right? Um, and this is what the Watchers did and what the Mighty Men did and all that kind of stuff. So they were just, I guess they just snapped and they're like, enough. Like, you do this otherwise, fine, but you did it to our sister, right? So we're coming after you now. But the wrath of Yahuwah came upon them to the uttermost. And I said to my father, Yaakov, by thee will Yahuwah despoil the Canaanites and will give their land to thee and to thy seed after thee. For from this day forward shall Shechem be called the city of imbeciles. For as a man mocks a fool, so did we mock them. Because also they had wrought folly in Yashorel by defiling my sister. And we departed and came to Bethel. If you're a sister, man, you would sure like some brothers like that, wouldn't you? And there again, I saw a vision as the former after we had spent their 70 days. So there's that 70 number. And I saw seven men in white, and there's seven, there's the seven, number 70 and seven. And I saw seven men in white raiments saying unto me, Arise, put on the robe of the priesthood and the crown of righteousness and the breastplate of understanding and the garment of truth and the lates of faith and the turban of the head and the ephod of prophecy. I need to match this up with the, uh, the armor of, of, of God and see if it connects. I've never done that. And they severely carried these things and put them on me and said unto me, From henceforth become a priest of Yahuwah, thou and thy seed forever. And the first anointed me with holy oil and gave to me the staff of judgment. The second washed me with pure water and fed me with bread and wine, even the most holy things, and clad me with a holy and glorious robe. The third clothed me with a linen vestment like an ephod. The fourth put round me a girdle like unto purple. The fifth gave me a branch of rich olive. The sixth placed a crown on my head. The seventh placed on my head a diadem of priesthood and filled my hands with incense that I might serve as priest at Yehovah Elohim. And they said to me, Levi, thy seed shall be divided into three offices for a sign of the glory of Yehovah who is to come. And the first portion shall be great, yea, greater than it shall not be. Greater than it shall not be. The second shall be in the priesthood, and the third shall be called by a new name, because a king shall arise in Yehuda and shall establish a new priesthood after the fashion of the Goyim. 
and his presence is beloved as a prophet of the Most High, of the seed of Abraham, our father. Therefore, every desirable thing in the Asherah shall be for thee and for thy seed, and ye shall eat everything fair to look upon, and the table of Yahuwah shall thy seed apportion. And some of them shall be high priests and judges and scribes, for by their mouth shall the holy place be guarded. And when I woke, I understood that this dream was like the first dream, and I hid this also in my heart and told it not to any man upon the earth. And after two days, I and Yehuda went up with our father Yaakov to Yitzhak, our father's father. And my father's father, Yitzhak, blessed me or uh, Baruch me according to all the words of the visions which had, I had seen. And he would not come with us to Bethel. And when we came to Bethel, my father saw a vision concerning me that I should be their priest unto Elohim. And he rose up early in the morning and paid tithes of all to Yahuwah through me. And so we came to Hebron to dwell there. And Yitzhak called me continually to put me in remembrance of the law or the Torah of Yahuwah, even as the angel of Yahuwah showed it to me. And he taught me the Torah of the priesthood of sacrifices, whole burnt offerings, first fruits, free will offerings, peace offerings. So here you see the Torah being administered long before Sinai. And we know that the Levites were, uh, according to other passages, uh, maybe I'll show you in the next couple of weeks, that they were studying the Torah while they were in Egypt, before it was handed to them on Sinai. And each day he was instructing me and was busied on my behalf before Yahuwah and said to me, Beware of the Ruach of fornication, for this shall continue and shall by thy seed pollute the holy place. Take therefore to thyself a wife without blemish or pollution, while yet thou art young and not of the race of strange nations, and before entering into the holy place, bathe. And when thou offerest the sacrifice, wash, and again, when thou finishest finish the sacrifice, wash the testament of Levi. All right. Um, oh, here's one more from the testament of Levi, then we'll move on. And now, my children, I command you, fear Yahuwah, your Elohim, with your whole heart, and walk in simplicity according to all his Torah. And do ye also teach your children letters that they may have understanding all their life, reading unceasingly the Torah of Elohim. So teach your children to read. I mean, you could say here, teach them to read the Hebrew or the, even the paleo. Or how about we just teach them to read the Torah, um, reading unceasingly the Torah of Elohim. For everyone that knows the Torah of Yahuwah shall be honored and shall not be a stranger whithersoever he goeth. Yea, many friends shall he gain more than his parents, and many men shall desire to serve him and to hear the Torah from his mouth. The Testament of Levi, uh, I personally take that to mean, um, I think you'll be honored in this life. I, I, you know, and um, I have, I found that, you know, myself that, you know, a lot of people dishonor me uh, because of the Torah, but other people honor me. But I think this is more for um, just eternity and the, the, the honor we're going to receive for those of us who have studied the Torah, uh, you know, going forward, we will be, you know, uh, people will be serving those who, um, you know, are the greatest in the kingdom, right? So the Testament of Levi. All right. To <clears throat> Yehuda. Yehuda, now this is, of course, a reminder, this is Yaakov speaking to his son in, in Bereshia. Yehuda, you shall guide your brothers your hand shall be on the neck of your foes. To you shall the sons of your fathers uh, bow. As a young lion, Yehuda for plunder, 
My son springs from his couch like a lion, and as a lioness, who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Yehuda, or the giver of Torah or law from between his feet, until uh, Shia Laha arrive, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, bound to the vine like an ass. <clears throat> in a colt, the son of a, uh, a stepper, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of clusters. He shall be dark and flashing as grapes, and his teeth be white as milk. Okay, so, uh, and I'm reading from the Testament of Yehuda, obviously. I was swift in my youth and obedient to my father in everything, and I honored my mother and my mother's sister. That's kind of interesting. So he honored, uh, even though Leah was his, his mother, he honored uh, Rachel. Uh, even though there was, you know, maybe maybe Leah wasn't talking nice about Rachel, right? But he still honored her. So that's interesting. That's that's on his mind. And it came to pass. Can, can remember now? He did not like Yosef too much, uh, his aunt's son. And it came to pass when I uh, became a man that my father blessed me, saying, "Thou shalt be a king, prosperous in all things." And Yahweh showed me favor in all my works, both in the field and in the house. I know that I raced the hind and caught it and prepared the meat for my father and he did eat. And the rows I used to master in the chase and overtake all that was in the plains. A wild mare I overtook and caught it and tamed it. I slew a lion and plucked a kid out of its mouth. I guess a, a, a goat. I took a bear by its paw and hurled it down the cliff and it was crushed. I outran the wild boar and seizing it as I ran, I tore it asunder. Now, pause here. Um... I don't know if I put this in for, for Yosef, but in his section, he talks about what the evil report was. And it was that uh, his brothers were eating the nicest of the sheep. Uh, it's, but he gives an instant where they plucked a, I think, a, a sheep or a kid out of the, the mouth of a, it was either a bear or a lion. And then they ate it, even though it was still alive. And that was the evil report he brought back. So here you see Yehuda recounting the same thing, but he doesn't talk about, you know, uh, the evil report. I outran the wild boar and seizing it as I ran, I tore it asunder. That's pretty crazy. Try chasing after a boar and tearing it apart. A leopard in Hebron leaped upon my dog and I caught it by the tail, the leopard, and hurled it on the rocks and was broken in twain. I found a wild ox feeding the fields. And seizing it by the horns and whirling it round and stunning it, I cast it from me and slew it. And when the two kings of the Canaanites came sheathed in armor against our flocks and much people with them, single-handed, I rushed upon the king of Hazor and smote him on the greaves and dragged him down. So And so I slew him. And the other, the king of Tapua, he, as he sat upon his horse, I slew and so I scattered all his people. And I think that this is recounting after Shechem. <clears throat> when all the other kings were coming at them. Achor the king, a man of giant stature. I don't remember that in Jasher at all, but here we have a giant king. I found hurling javelins before and behind as he sat on horseback. And I took up a stone of 60 pounds weight and hurled it and smote his horse and killed it. So he kills the horse that the giant king is on. And I fought with this other, uh, this other for two hours and I clave his shield in twain and I chopped off his feet and killed him. So it was a two-hour fight or two-hour combat, which I would think a 
five minute combat would be exhausting, but a two hour combat, which ended with the guy getting his feet chopped off. And as I was, maybe because he was so big, I don't know. And I was stripping off his breastplate. Behold, nine men, his companions began to fight with me. And I wound my garment on my hand and I slung stones at them and killed four of them and the rest fled. And Yaakov, my father slew um, Beelisath, king of all the kings, a giant in strength, 12 cubits high. Now, I meant to look that up today, 12 cubits high. I don't know if anyone in the comments section is, uh, yeah, if anyone is listening, you, you can put it what 12 cubits high is. Looks pretty big giant to me. And fear fell upon them, and they ceased warring against us. Therefore, my father was free from anxiety in the wars when I was with my brethren. For he saw in a vision concerning me that an angel of might follow me everywhere that I should not be overcome. So this idea is that uh, Yaakov sees in this vision that the reason why Yehuda had this amazing strength is that he had an angel, uh, you know, watching his back and basically physically helping him do all this kind of stuff. 12 by 18, huh? Here, I'll put this up in the, um, I'll see that. All right. There's the first, uh, the first guess. That was from the testimony of Yehuda. All right. More from the testimony of Yehuda. And now, my children, I command you, love Levi, that ye may abide, and exalt not yourselves against him, lest he be utterly destroyed. For to me, Yahuwah gave the kingdom, and to him the priesthood, and he set the kingdom beneath the priesthood. To me, he gave the things upon the earth, to him the things in the heavens. And as, as the um, heavens is higher than the earth, so is the priesthood of Elohim higher than the earthly kingdom, unless it falls away through sin from Yahuwah and is dominated by the earthly kingdom. For the angel of Yahuwah said unto me, Yahuwah uh, uh, chose him rather than thee to draw near to him and to eat of his table and to offer him the first fruits of the choice things of the sons of Yashorel, but thou shalt be king of Yaakov, and thou shalt be amongst them as the sea. Let's see. Oh, this is really interesting. Yeah, this is why I wanted to put this here. Um, for as on the sea, just and unjust are tossed about, some taken into captivity while so, uh, some are enriched. So also shall every race of men be in thee. Some shall be impoverished, being taken captive, and others grow rich by plundering the possession of others. For the king shall be a sea monster. I think the sea monster reference here is the sea serpents. Uh, and you guys know that at least uh, in the last week, I put out two videos on Leviathan. Uh, last Sabbath, I did a presentation on sea serpents, and I'm going to be hopefully finishing that tonight. Um, so I've been talking about that a lot this week. And, of course, the Leviathan is the king of pride, uh, he's a proud creature over the, he is the, the king over the sons of the proud, which is a bit of a spiritual entity right there. For they shall swallow men like fishes, the sons and daughters of free men shall they enslave. These are the sea monsters, the sea serpents. Houses, lands, flocks, money shall they plunder. And with the flesh of many shall they wrongfully feed the ravens and the cranes, and they shall advance in evil and covetousness uplifted. And there shall be false prophets like tempests, and they shall persecute all righteous men. And Yahuwah shall bring upon them divisions one against another, and there shall be continued wars in Yasharel. And among men of another race shall my kingdom be brought to an end until the salvation of Yasharel shall come. Until the appearing of the Elohim or the Alahayam of righteousness, that Yaakov and all the Goim may rest in peace. And they shall guard the might of my kingdom forever. This he's talking about Mashiach when he arrives. For Yahweh uh, aware to me with an oath that he would not destroy the kingdom from my seed forever. 
course, because Mashiach comes from that kingdom. Therefore, even though Israel was destroyed, the kingdom was in the hands of Yehuda forever, and that can never be taken away. Now I have much grief, my children, because of your lewdness and witchcrafts and idolatries, which ye shall practice against the kingdom, following them that have familiar spirits, diviners, and demons of error. Now keep in mind, this is Yehuda speaking to the, the Jews that are going to come. Ye shall make your daughters singing girls and harlots, and ye shall mingle in the abominations of the goyim. For which things sake, Yahuwah shall bring upon you famine and pestilence, and death in the sword, uh, beleaguering by enemies and revilings of friends, the slaughter of children, the rape of wives, the plundering of possessions, the burning of the temple of Elohim, the laying waste of the land, the enslavement of yourselves among the Goyim, and they shall make some of you eunuchs for their wives <clears throat> until Yahuwah visit you, when with perfect heart you repent and walk in all his commandments and he bring you up from captivity among the goyim so when does yahuwah visit them when they're amongst the goyim and after these things shall a star arise to put you from yaakov in peace and a man shall arise from my seed like the son of righteousness walking with the sons of men in meekness and righteousness and no sin shall be found in him of course speaking of messiah and the heaven shall be open unto him to pour out the Ruach, even the blessing of the Holy Father, and he shall pour out the Ruach of grace upon you, and ye shall be unto him sons in truth, and ye shall walk in his commandments first and last. And I love I love the 12 patriarchs. I love how it's like, it, nowhere in here does it say, oh, when the Mashiach arrives, finally the curse of the law will be off us, and we don't have to do it anymore. It's saying, no, 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 no. It's, it's saying, you will you need to keep the commands you're not going to keep the commands when mashiach comes he's going to keep the commands and then you can keep the commands christianity has it all backwards they're like we don't have to keep the commands anymore because of mashiach no you're actually supposed to keep it now because of mashiach and even more so then shall the scepter of my kingdom shine forth and from your root shall arise a stem and from it shall grow a, ro a rod of righteousness to the goyim to judge and to save all that call upon Yahuwah. And after these things shall Abraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov arise unto life. And I and my brothers shall be chiefs of the tribes of Yashorel. So that's talking about a resurrection right there. And I believe that that happened with, um, well, you guys know, I, I'm looking at multiple resurrection events. I know that goes against traditional, you know, Baptist theology right there. Uh, but, you know, we see the resurrection event at the cross uh, when Yehusha HaMashiach enters Sheol, resurrects people. Then we see it again in um, in Revelation with the, the people under the, the altar that are resurrected in 70 AD. And then we see it, you know, it just keeps going on. But <clears throat> Levi first, I the second, Yosef third, Benjamin fourth, Shimon fifth, uh, Yishikar 6, and so all in order. And Yahuwah blessed Levi and the angel of the presence, me, the powers of glory, shine in the heaven, Reuben the earth, Yishikar the sea, Zebulun the mountains, Yosef the tabernacle, Benjamin the luminaries. That's interesting. Benjamin is the luminaries. Dan is Eden. Oh, I'm sorry. I had that all backwards. Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. Hold on. The tabernacle is Benjamin. Okay. Now that makes sense because Benjamin is in the territory of, of uh, the tabernacle. The luminaries is Dan. Now that, okay, now that is interesting because now we've got the wandering luminaries, right? And Dan is quite the wanderer. Uh, Eden is Naphtali. 
the sun is Gad and the moon is Asher. Hmm. I never saw that before. I'll have to look into that. And ye shall be the people of Yahuwah and have one tongue, and there shall be there no spirit of deceit of Beliar, for he shall be cast into the fire forever. And they who have died in grief shall rise in joy, and they who are poor for Yahuwah's sake shall be made rich, and they who are put to death for Yahuwah's sake shall awake to life. And the hearts of Yaakov shall run in joyfulness, and the eagles of Yasharel shall fly in gladness, and all the people shall glorify Yahuwah forever. Observe, therefore, my children, all the Torah of Yahuwah, for there is hope for all them who hold fast unto his ways, the Torah. Um, yeah, great way to end it. All right. We're doing good in time. I think we'll make it through this in the next 30 minutes. To Zebulun. <clears throat> Zebulun shall dwell on the shore of the sea, on the seashore of the ships and extremities towards the fishery. <clears throat> and extremities towards the fishery. And when I was in the, now going back to uh, the Testament of uh, Zebulun, it says, and when I was in the land of Canaan by the sea coast, so you see the connection right there. He's, he's quite the sailor, apparently. I made a catch of fish that Yaakov, my father, I'm sorry, a, a catch of fish for Yaakov, my father. And when many were choked in the sea, I continued unhurt. I was the first to make a boat to sail upon the sea. I feel like that has to be a translation issue. A lot of people looking at it and go, what? What? Come on now. The first to make a boat to sail upon the sea. But uh, anyways, um, for Yahuwah gave me understanding and wisdom therein. Maybe it should read like, I don't know, like a, a special kind of boat or something like that. Some new tack or something. Um, and I let down a rudder behind it and I stretched a sail upon another upright piece of wood in the midst. And I sailed therein along the shores, catching fish for the house of my father until we came to Mediterranean. So that's interesting, too, there, that, you know, there's a drought going on and everything, and they can't get, you know, food, and he's out there fishing in the, in the Mediterranean. And through compassion, I shared my catch with every stranger. You see, this guy has a total heart for Messiah right here. And if a man were a stranger or sick or aged, I boiled the fish and dressed them well and offered them to all men. And as every man had need, grieving with and having compassion upon them. Wherefore, also Yahuwah satisfied me with abundance of fish when catching fish, for that for he that shareth with his neighbor receiveth manifold more than Yahuwah. For five years I caught fish and gave thereof to every man whom I saw, and sufficed for all the house of my father. And in the summer I caught fish, and in the winter I, and in the winter I kept sheep with my brethren. Now I will declare unto you what I did. I saw a man in distress through nakedness in wintertime and had compassion upon him and stole away a garment secretly from my father's house and gave it to him who was in distress. Do you therefore, my children, from that which Elohim bestoweth upon you, show compassion and mercy without hesitation to all men and give to every man with a good heart? And if ye have not the wherewithal to give to him that needeth, have compassion for him in uh, bowels of mercy. I know that my hand found not the wherewithal to give to him that needed. And I walked with him weeping for seven furlongs, and my bowels yearned towards him in compassion. Have therefore yourself also, my children, compassion towards every man with mercy, that Yahuwah also may have compassion and mercy upon you. Because also in the last days, Elohim will send his compassion on the earth, and wheresoever he findeth bowels of mercy, he dwelleth in him. 
For in the degree in which a man hath compassion upon his neighbors, in the same degree hath Yahuwah also upon him. That that should be a scary thought for, for all of us, or a you know, a scared straight moment. <clears throat> Whatever compassion we show on our neighbors and other people, that is the same degree that he will show upon us. This is why it is so important to love the the the, the Ten Commandments could be you know separated or summed up by love Elohim, love your neighbor, right? So, and they're connected. How you want Elohim to love you is how you need to love your neighbor. And he watches, he pays attention. He's like, I, you know, it, it's kind of like, like if you're like a really good gift giver, right? And you, you pay attention to people and you know what kind of gifts they want and you give them a gift and they're like, how did you know this is amazing? This is exactly what I wanted, right? It's like, cause I was, was watching you. Like, I, I, I know what you want. And it's the same thing. Like Elohim's like, you know, I, I watched the way you treated other people. And, you know, I'm, I'll return those favors because that must be how you want to be treated, right? So we really need to treat other people as we want to be treated. So important. And when we went down into Mitraim, Yosef bore no malice against us. We read that tonight. Uh, and they were really concerned about that. And he, you know, uh, he took an opposite approach of what they expected. To whom taking heed do ye also, my children, approve yourselves without malice and love one another. And do not set down in accounts each one of you evil against his brother. For this breaketh unity and divideth all kindred. We we saw this tonight with uh, the uh, brothers, uh, you know, that that's what Satan wants. He wants to divide uh, the kingdom. And troubleth the soul and weareth away the countenance. Observe, therefore, the waters and know when they flow together. They sweep along stones, trees, earth, and other things. But if they are divided into many streams... The earth swalloweth them up, and they vanish away. So shall ye also be, if ye be divided. But be not ye, therefore, divided into two heads. For everything which Yahuwah made hath but one head, and two shoulders, two hands, two feet, and all the remaining members. For I have learnt in the writing of my fathers that ye shall be divided in Yasharel, and ye shall flow two kings, or and ye shall follow two kings, and shall work every abomination. And your enemies shall lead you captive, and he shall be evil and treated among the Goyim with many infirmities and tribulations. And after these things, ye shall remember Yahuwah and repent, and he shall have mercy upon you, for he is merciful and compassionate. And he setteth not down in account evil against the sons of men, because they are flesh and are deceived through their own wicked deeds. And after these things shall there arise unto you, unto you Yahuwah himself. There he is again, the Mashiach. He is... Yahuwah, Yahweh, the Son of the Most High, the light of righteousness, and ye shall return unto your land. And ye shall see him in Jerusalem for his name's sake. And again, through the wickedness of your work, shall ye provoke him to anger, and ye shall be cast away by him into the time of consummation. The Testament of Zebulun. Now, that last part there, I'm really trying to figure this out because I don't know if this is a reference to 70 AD uh or uh the end of the kingdom i'm not really sure i'm kind of curious what your guys thoughts are on this uh because the idea is is that uh yahuwah himself the light of righteousness is arising uh and he's returning them to the land now uh, i'm going to be showing you a little bit tonight uh, not too much but it's a continued theme about the idea of um 
I think I I think you could read Yerushalayim here in two ways. Either this is the Messiah in the 30 AD area in Jerusalem, or this could be a reference to New Jerusalem, which would then make the land that they are returning to the true land where New Jerusalem is. And this is what I call the hidden wilderness. Uh, those are there's two ways you could read that there. I'm not really sure. Um, are they are they tossed out uh, at 70 AD or are they tossed out at the end of the kingdom? All right, test, that was his testament as everyone. All right, on to Yashikar. As a strong ass, Yashikar, he lies in the stall, and he saw that rest was beautiful, excellent, functional, and the land that it was pleasant. So he gives his back to the load and becomes a servant for hire. That had to be one of those things when all the brothers are standing around. They're like, ha, 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 we get jokes. Let me get that. <clears throat> and my father, okay, so now this is going into the uh, testament of uh, Yeshikar. And my father blessed me, for he saw that I walked in rectitude before him. And I was not a busybody in my doings, nor envious and malicious against my neighbor. I never slandered anyone. This is pretty crazy. He's going through and he's like, like, can anyone identify with this? Because he's like, all these areas I didn't sit. <clears throat> and I was not a busybody in my doings, nor envious and malicious against my neighbor. I never slandered anyone. Can anyone listening say that you never slandered anyone? Nor did I censure the life of any man, walking as I did in singleness of eye. Therefore, when I was 35 years old, I took to myself a wife, for my labor wore away my strength, and I never thought upon pleasure with women, but owing to my toil, sleep overcame me. My father always rejoiced in my rectitude because I offered through the priest to Yahuwah offers fruits then to my father also. So I'm guessing he's offering to his brother Levi. And Yahuwah increased 10,000 fold his benefits in my hands. And also Yaakov, my father, knew that Elohim aided my singleness. For on all the poor and oppressed, I bestowed the good things of the earth and the singleness of my heart. Isn't that interesting? It's such a contrast with these brothers. One is that they're going around killing off, just taking out the wickedness in all these cities, but then you see them just like their hearts go out to injustice. I mean, that's what led them to this uprising, but they just their heart goes out for all these poor people, all these hungry people, you know, the poor, the oppressed. They're clothing them, the naked. Really interesting contrast with these brothers. We usually get the the, the hot-headed brothers. We rarely get this, this uh uh, it's like the two sides of the coin of the messianic coin the one taking out the wickedness the other you know um uh not being part of the problem and actually helping those who are in need and now hearken to me my children and walk in singleness of your heart for i have seen in all that is well pleasing to yahuwah the single-minded man coveteth not gold he overreacheth not his neighbor. He longeth not after manifold dainties. He delighteth not in varied apparel. He doth not desire to live a long life, but only waiteth for the will of Elohim. And the Ruachoth of deceit have no power against him. This is really interesting here. Okay, The Ruachoth of deceit have no power against him. So there's these spirits that come to deceive us. And why do they have no power over him? For he looketh not on the beauty of women lest he should pollute his mind with corruption. So it seems that lust uh, leads to uh, an open doorway for spirits to come and deceive us. And this lust, and I guess in modern terms, could be like pornography, things like that, things that you know you set your mind on uh, that just 
opens up this this uh this portal this this you know this doorway into your mind that you can be taken advantage of by these spirits um they could lie to you <clears throat> really interesting there is no envy in his thoughts no malicious person maketh his soul to pine away nor worry with insatiable desire in his mind for he walketh in singleness of soul and beholdeth all things in uprightness of heart shutting eyes made evil through the error of the world lest he should see the perversion of any of the commandments of yahuwah so if you are um if you are walking in error then you have perverted the commandments of yahuwah and uh, anyone who says that you don't have to keep sabbath you can eat pork any of this stuff this is a perversion right they have walked in error of the world they have let malicious persons they have let uh spirits of deceit into their minds and lie to them and they are listening to those lies <clears throat> they have what, what would be called the doctrine of demons so if everyone argues what the doctrine of demons are i mean people have said you know because noel reads actual biblical books he's the doctrine I, i've heard that with flat earth oh the doctrine of demons is the flat earth it's like no 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 the doctrine of demons is a Torahless, a lawless lifestyle justifying it that is the doctrine of demons <clears throat> keep therefore my children the torah of elohim and get singleness and walk in godlessness not playing the busybody with the business of your neighbor but love yahuwah and your neighbor there, right there he just summed up the ten commandments love yahuwah love your neighbor have compassion on the poor and weak that's how you love your neighbor that's how you love yahuwah remember he yahusha said you know when you love those people you're actually loving him you fulfill the ten commandments bow down your back unto husbandry and toil and labors and all manner of husbandry offering gifts to yahuwah with thanksgiving so you need to work if you're going to eat you better work and I'm, I'm really big on that like i i don't care what you do we all have talents whatever your talent is work hard at that i have people coming and they ask me for money I'm I'm happy, you know, I, I have some funds and you know, I get some extra funds once in a while and in this uh ministry account. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, I start asking them questions, I find out they actually don't want to work. They don't want to work a job. And sometimes we'll go through weeks and weeks and weeks and months of this. They don't want to get a job, they just want money. They go to different ministries asking for money. It's like you do not have the heart of Messiah if that's what you're doing. You you can use the Torah all you want. you you don't have the heart of uh, of uh Yahuwah. Yahuwah tells us to work six days, work six days, not not rest seven days. It's it's rest. I mean, it's work six days on the seventh you rest. For with the first fruits of the earth will Yahuwah bless you, even as He blessed all the saints from Abel until now. Isn't that cool to hear that Abel was a saint? For no other portion is for no other portion is given to you than of the fatness of the earth, whose fruits are raised by toil. For our father Yaakov blessed me with the blessings of the earth and of first fruits. And Levi and Yehuda were glorified by Yahuwah even among the sons of Yaakov. And I'm not going to make it tonight. I got to, you know, let's see. Um, wait, I need to keep moving. Um, yeah, I'm going to just skip this. Okay, sorry, Yisakar. I'm skipping some of that. I got to move on ahead. We're running out of time. To Dan. Dan shall judge his people like a scepter prince of Yasharel. Dan shall exist a viper in the path and Adar laid on the road. He will bite my heels the horses he will throw the riders backwards 
for your for your salvation I have waited oh Yahuwah all right uh, I'll see what I can read of Dan but it, it's interesting that uh you know Dan is the first tribe to to forsake their inheritance in the land they're not happy with it they go up to, uh, to Herman, to Odd territory. They kind of fade off into oblivion by that point. They move around. Uh, they, one thing I have found when we're looking at like ancient or the, the, the 12 tribes moving across the world, it seems like Dan is the biggest culprit who liked to name places after himself. Very much into I am Dan. Uh, like think of Sweden. And interestingly enough, where did the Vikings come from? But by Danish territory or Danish territory. Um, and the Vikings were, you know, again, when we're going into official history versus uh, his story, you know, did the Vikings really exist, right? I think they did, just like I think the pirates exist. I, really, I think they did. And I think that they were envious um, of, of uh, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Yehuda. And I think some of them came down. And I think some of them did invade. I think that's a very real possibility. And they were a viper in the path. I think that this was a, uh, or an Adelaide in the road. I think this was ongoing with Dan. All right. Not that Dan is without re uh, redemption. I had a guy writing me recently saying that, you know, he was like accusing me of being the tribe of Dan. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, dude? I I don't know what tribe I come from. Maybe I come from Dan. I don't know. But even if I did come from Dan, it doesn't mean you can't repent. It's <laughs> the copy of the words of Dan, which he spake to his sons in his last days in the 125th year of his life, for he called together his family and said, hearken to my words, ye sons of Dan. And, okay, I need to skip some of this. I'm sorry, guys. Um, um, okay, so right here. I confess, verse 4, I confess therefore this day to you, my children, that in my heart I resolved on the death of Yosef, my brother. Oh, actually, let me skip up to verse 3. This is what happens when I jump ahead. I have proved in my heart and in my whole life that truth with just dealing is good and well-pleasing to Elohim, and that lying and anger are evil because they teach man all wickedness. I confess, therefore, this day to you, my children, that in my heart I resolved on the death of Yosef, my brother, the true and good man. And I rejoice that he was sold because his father loved him more than us. So you're setting up something here that I think is repeated throughout history with Dan, that he rejoiced in the selling of of Yasharel, the children of Yasharel. For the spirit of jealousy and vainglory said to me, thou thyself also art his son. So he wanted to get the affection of Yaakov. He want, he thought that if he, this, the spirit of jealousy came into him and he thought if he could take Yosef out, then his father would love him. Uh, and I see this, I had this discussion with other YouTubers out there other ministry leaders as we see this happening in the real world the spirit of jealousy laid out by dan that i see people accuse and attack and basically this idea of dividing up the waters right that when you separate the waters it become these creeks that then wither up and dry in the in the earth right and so you you see people out there with um like billy r going out and accusing other people in the ministry and trying to pull people away and separate them and divide the house. And it's out of this spirit of jealousy. And they feel that if they do this, if they can take this other person out, then finally people will love them, right? It's the spirit of jealousy. You're jealous of them. And they just want the love. They want the attention. They want to be on the pedestal. 
uh, and I see this, I've seen this so often what Dan is talking about here. And one of the spirits of Beliar stirred me up saying, this is one of the spirits of Beliar here, take the sword and with it slay Yosef. So this is this is Hasatan and his servants personally wanting, it was his will to kill Yosef. So shall I, so however bad it was, like whatever Yahuwah put him through, uh, Satan wanted it worse. So shall thy father love thee when he is dead. That's what I wanted you to see right there. That he thought that when he killed them off, that his father would love them. All right. Skipping through some of this now. Um, oh, this is right here. Uh, <clears throat> verse 10. And there shall arise unto you from the tribe of Yehuda and of Levi the salvation of Yahuwah, and he shall make war against Abeliar. Now, this is like straight out of the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? That the sons of light going to war against the sons of darkness. And he will execute an everlasting vengeance on our enemies, and the captivity shall he take from Beliar, the sons of the saints, and turn them, turn disobedient hearts unto Yahuwah, and give to them that call upon him eternal peace. And I believe this is when he took him out of uh, Sheol. But then get this here. And the saints shall rest in Eden. And in the new Jerusalem shall the righteous rejoice, and it shall be unto the glory of Elohim forever. So there is another connection right there. I've been talking a lot about this recently. There's another connection to the city of Enoch, new Jerusalem with Eden. Uh, and so I personally believe that this is on the earth, right? I do not believe that Israel is going to be Eden. I don't believe that new Jerusalem is touching down the Mediterranean or wherever. It's already here. It's on the earth. And... Um, People are like, where's the party at? It's not here on our, our side of the road. It's ongoing elsewhere. Uh, and no longer shall Jerusalem endure desolation, nor Yashua be led captive. All right. So right there, no longer shall Jerusalem endure desolation. Well, that's because we have new Jerusalem to deal with, right? All right. All right. Well, for lack of time, I'm going to be moving on. Sorry, guys. I got like 10 minutes left. To Gad. Gad, a troop, he shall a troop, but a troop shall deceive him. Let's see. Do I have anything here I wanted to go over? Mm. unfortunately this is the part of the night guys where i just skip ahead pages all right to asher for asher his food shall be rich and his are the royal pleasures okay um, this is all great stuff i'm sorry but let's just keep moving on to neftali neftali is a nimble stag he gives eloquent speech so that's really interesting this is um continuing the tradition that we see in jasher that um for all those who are saying that uh you know that the Jasher was written a long time later, you know, they made up all the stuff. Here we have, going back to the 12 patriarchs found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, that Naphtali was, he was able to run on top of like wheat and corn and stuff like a, like a stag. Um, so I don't need to quote from all that. Uh, this is to Yosef. Uh, I'll read this, but uh, I read to you a couple weeks ago from the Testament of Yosef and it was, a beautiful book i mean it's just pure poetry it's it's so lovely i just need to make a night of like just reading straight from that book um it this guy was a truly righteous guy yosef a fruitful plant a fruitful plant by a well and keep in mind fruitful we're getting ephraim in this with branches spread on the wall but the master of arrows provoked and shot and pierced him but he turned to his powerful bow and the hands of his arms were quick by the hand, by the hands of the mighty by the mighty of Yaakov, 
from whom is Yasharel's stone? From the all of your fathers, he will help you. And Shadiah with, uh, with Barakath of Shalayam above and Barakath below the dancing waters, with Barakath of the breast and tender affection. May the Barakath of your father strengthen with the bliss of the fertile wells. May the wealth of the ancient hills be heaped on the head of Yosef, more nobly crowned with his brothers. This pains me to skip this, guys, but I really want to end tonight on Benjamin and the uh, Benjamin prophecy. To uh, Benjamin, a wolf, dun, 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 he shall eat plunder at daybreak, and at night he shall divide his spoil, dun, dun, dun. Um, all right, uh, so <laughs> you guys know that this is like totally a Paul thing. You guys know that I used to be anti-Paul. I fell into the anti-Paul crowd. Uh, I've come out of it. I'm not against anybody. If you guys have thrown Paul out of canon, if that's a journey you guys take, uh, so be it. One of the things I found though, is that like the, the, you know, so you would look at this and go, see, this is Paul. Paul was a Benjamite. He was the one, he was the wolf. He came and he, uh, he, uh, he took the plunger and he divided the spoil. You know, he took Yahushua HaMashiach's perfect gospel as the plunger and he divided and devoured it, right? And kind of packaged Christianity to these Big Macs, right? And, and you know, and supersized the fries, all that kind of stuff. Um, and one thing I found in this whole argument is that it's, um, well, I will say this, and, you know, if, if people, you know, aren't friends with me after this, fine. Um, but... I didn't realize that when I was anti-Paul and when I was advocating that as a as a as a writer and a, a teacher and so on and so forth, uh, that Yahuwah had taken a shalom, a peace from me. I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize it until I I came back around again and it, I saw this return peace come upon me. And I was like, whoa! I didn't even know that was gone. Um, but I, I find that in this argument, and and I'll I'll be you know, frankly, honest, though, too, that, you know, if I get to the afterlife, if I get to heaven to the kingdom, and, um, you know, that'll be one of the first questions on my mind. If someone says, yeah, uh, Paul didn't make it, I'll be like, okay, I could see that. I mean, I don't think I'll be surprised. Um, I could see some of the arguments. But I but I started finding it's kind of like with a divorced parents, you know, this, the children always pick the, the favored, you know, either the mother or the father, and they villainize the other one. The other one is the fault. He, he or she was the reason this divorce happened, right? And you, could, you, you, you become so bitter and you can't see anything good in this person. And I started finding that with Paul. And it started getting ridiculous where like every single thing he said was, you know, like, oh, that's suspect. Oh, well, that's, you know, that's, this guy was evil, you know, like, oh, look, he went to Mount Sinai. That's suspicious. And I remember I had to stop myself one day and go, wait a second, what is suspicious about him going to Sinai to get instructions? Like, really, like, it's, you know, Eliyahu did the same thing. Um, so, but anyways, this is what we read about the, uh, the Benjamin Wolf prophecy in the, the 12 patriarchs. So pay attention to this. And when he had said these things, he said unto them, Know ye therefore, my children, that I am dying. This is, of course, Benjamin 9. Do ye therefore truth each one to his neighbor and keep the Torah of Yahuwah and his commandments. For these things do I leave you instead of inheritance. That's interesting. He leaves the Torah as their inheritance. Do ye also therefore give them to your children for an everlasting possession forever, the Torah. 
It's never going away. Even if people say it's, they can tell themselves all they want, it's done away with, it was nailed to the cross. Nope, it's never going away. It will always be the instruction of, uh, our, of righteous living. For so did both Abraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov. For all these things they gave us for an inheritance, saying, keep the commandments of Elohim until Yahuwah shall reveal his salvation to all Goyim. And then shall ye see Enoch, Noah, and Shem, and Abraham, and Yitzhak, and Yaakov rising on the right hand in gladness. Then shall we also rise, each one over our tribe, worshiping the King of heaven, Mashiach, who appeared upon earth in the form of a man in humility. And as many as believe on him on the earth shall rejoice with them. Then also all men shall rise, some unto glory, and some unto shame. And Yahuwah shall judge Yahshua first for their unrighteousness. For when he appeared as Elohim in the flesh to deliver them, they believed him not. And then shall he judge all the Goyim, as many as believed him not when he appeared upon earth. And he shall convict Yasharel through the chosen ones of the Goyim, even as he reproved Esau through the Midianites, who deceived their brethren so that they fell into fornication and idolatry. And they were alienated from Elohim, becoming therefore children in the portion of them that fear Yahuwah. If ye therefore, my children, walk in holiness according to the commandments of Yahuwah, so that's how we walk in holiness, according to the commandments. Ye shall again dwell securely with me, and all Yashrael shall be gathered unto Yahuwah. And I shall no longer be called a ravening wolf on account of your ravages, but a worker of Yahuwah distributing food to them that work, uh, that work what is good. And there shall ar uh, arise in the later days one beloved of Yahuwah, of the tribe of Yehuda and Levi, a doer of his good pleasure in his mouth, with new knowledge enlightening the goyim until the consummation of the age shall so this here is saying <clears throat> this this appears to be talking about paul to the point that like the anti-paul crowd cries foul you know they love these books but they're like oh this one here we're crying foul on this because this can't be right and it's saying that this man is going to arrive uh this he's going to reverse he's actually reverse this prophecy a doer of good pleasure in his mouth with new knowledge of enlightening the goyim. All right, he's he's enlightening the goyim. Who did that? Until the consummation of the age shall he be in the synagogues of the goyim and among the rulers as a strain of music in the mouth of all. And he shall be inscribed in the holy books, both his work and his word, and he shall be a chosen one of Elohim forever. So, you know, is he talking about Paul there? And through them he shall go to and fro as Yaakov, my father, saying, He shall fill up that which lacketh of thy tribe. And when he had said these things, he stretched out his feet and died in a beautiful and good sleep. All right. The Testament of Benjamin, chapter 2. Um, that is all the time. I have more notes. That's all the time I have for tonight. It is at the hour. We're going on the, uh, the end of the two hours. And so... Oh, by Goyim, do you? Oh, look, I still have that other comment up there. Uh, by Goyim, do you mean descendants of Ham? Actually, by Goyim, uh, Goyim is a Gentile. A Gentile is anyone who is not grafted in to uh, to the Asherel. And so, um, yeah, uh, you're either a Hebrew, you have crossed over, you're grafted into Yasharel, uh, the spiritual heritage of Yitzhak. 
um, or you're a goyim. And so the idea of, of when the church comes and they boast about, oh, I don't have to be Israel. I don't have to say the names. I don't have to walk the commands. I, I'm, a, I'm a Gentile. Well, think about it like this. The, the temple, it had an outer court. It had the court of the Gentiles. And it's like, okay, I mean, if that's your aspiration, that's where you, know, you want to be. Uh, I'm speaking just generically to everyone listening. Um, fine, there's a court for that. And I, I kind of think that a lot of the people who they determined to be, they just believed in team Jesus or whatever, you know, uh, and they just wanted to be a Gentile their whole life. Yeah, maybe that they'll be in the court of the Gentiles. Um, but I, that's not, you know, we can come closer to the Father. We can walk closer to the Father. We can be grafted into Israel. Uh, that's where, uh, you know, salvation comes through through uh, through Yashorel. So um, with that, I'm going to close. And I thank you all for joining in. And I hope you guys enjoyed it, that. There was a lot of reading, but um, I think just very informative stuff. I could have gone on for another hour. Uh, but I have to get ready for the next segment tonight, which we'll be talking about sea serpents. So uh, good night, everybody. I'll, I'll start my next uh, video in the next few minutes. <laughs>